And there's a whole lot that goes along with that because the Holy Ghost intercedes for us sometimes when we don't even know what we should pray for. So we've got an intercessor on our side. We've got an advocate on our side. We've got a counselor on our side. When you talk about the Holy Ghost, you're talking about all of those things. So I'm going to be like Paul. And Paul said, if you want to criticize me as being part of the way, then I, you got me. You got me. If you want to call me a nut job, you got me if that's the way you want to define me. But I know this. I'm so very, very thankful for the baptism of the Holy Ghost because Jesus died for it. He went to Calvary for it, and he poured it out to the entire world to receive it. And I want more of it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So a doxology is, is honoring God, praising God. It's giving God glory because of his goodness and his greatness. This is why, I gotta get back to where I got off track there just for a minute, but this is why when people pray for the Holy Ghost and they have gone through a season of repentance, you don't wanna, you don't wanna go, you don't wanna blow past repentance. That's why sometimes it's good to just let a person repent. You can tell there's a deep, God's really dealing with their spirit. And if you just discount that and try to move them right into receiving the Holy Ghost, they're not going to get the full value of what repentance is. Repentance is a type of death. It's identifying with Jesus' death. And so repentance is extremely important. And then when you feel like they get to that point where they have, they have laid everything out before God, and now they are in the position of seeking the Holy Ghost, what do you tell them? You tell them... You're setting up in the very early stages, you're setting up the proper doxology because what you start telling them is start worshiping God, start praising God, start magnifying God, start lifting him up. I mean, you don't tell them this, but you praised and worshiped a lot of other things. <laughs> you yelled, screamed, jumped up and down, did a lot of other things, but here you are in the house of God. So this is something that's a little different. I'm not in a club somewhere. I'm not in a stadium somewhere. I didn't paint myself up as some fan of something. I'm not at a concert somewhere yelling, screaming, and holding my phone up and going around and around. I'm not doing all of that, but I'm in the house of God, and now somebody is telling me to lift up, worship, praise God, glorify God. And so that's a little bit of difference, but it's really the same thing. It just means you're changing partners. <laughs> you're, you're, you're walking away from old things, and you're into new things. And when they start lifting up God and magnifying God and praising God, it's a whole lot easier for the Holy Ghost to come in because they've got the proper doxology. I'm not worshiping the world anymore. I'm not worshiping my flesh anymore. I am drawing close to God. Hallelujah. The King of kings and Lord of lords. And I'm, I'm praising him. And when I start praising him, the Holy Ghost starts moving. I have the proper, pro, proper doxology. And, and Paul lays it out here. He says, of him. He says in verse number 36, for of him, of him, of him, all things come from him him this is a proper doxology it's a proper alignment everything that is comes from God the psalmist said it in this way talking about birth and children and the miracle of the womb he said in Psalm 139 verse 13 you have possessed my reins you covered me in my mother's womb I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made Marvelous are thy works, and my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts 
of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in the book of my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. The psalmist said, God, you saw me from the very beginning. That is an of him thing. That comes from God. In a few words, just in a few words, the psalmist laid out a worldview that from the very beginning, I am of God. I am of God. This is transformational thinking, ladies and gentlemen. The world is held captive to the belief that it's often other than God. Or they'll tell you you're an accident or you're an afterthought or, 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 or you're nothing or you're not worthy or you don't have any value. Anybody ever heard that kind of stuff? Some of you have because you come from that background. And all of a sudden you recognize at some point, no, you're not an afterthought, but you are of God. Hallelujah. God knows who you are and he's got a purpose for you and he's got intentions for you and you are here in the house of God not because it's an afterthought but because but because God loves you and he's got a calling of God on your life to to make you a saint of God. Called you. That's of God. That is something that God is doing. And Paul is telling the Roman church, he's telling them that everything that happens let's not get distracted. It is of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Don't remove God out of the equation because when you remove God out of the equation, you remove faith. And what would you have left? We heard today someone, I can't remember who, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number one, faith is the substance of things hoped for. There's some things I'm in the house of God today hoping for. I don't see it, Sister Darlene, and I know you've been praying for many, many years. You don't see it and you don't feel it, but you're still in the house of God and you're still praying for your kids and your family. I've gotten text messages from you that pre please pray. This might be an opportunity. So I may not see it. I may not have the emotion, but I'm not going to take God out of the equation because if I were to take God out of the equation I wouldn't have any hope I'd have no faith hallelujah don't take God out of your situation put God in your situation and say God I don't understand I don't understand everything that's going on but one thing I know is I'm not taking you out of the picture hallelujah I want you to be in the middle of that because we know we know as the people of God that if you can get God in the middle of things something happens praise God something happens something happens when when your proper doxology is God hallelujah everything comes from you you're a God of creation you're a God of redemption you're a God of salvation and if you're that kind of God and you get in the midst of my situation it's going to be something that comes from you it is of God First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11 says, Now all these things happened unto them for ensamples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. The scripture tells us time and time again of victories and abilities and conquests in which God was right in the middle of it. We talk about the Red Sea. The enemy is behind and there's nowhere to go, but God works the miraculous. We talk about the walls of Jericho and walls that seem impossible to overcome, and God works a victory. We talk about the Hebrew children and a trial of fiery conditions, and God delivers them. Just because they're in the pages of old doesn't mean that they're also 
also written in the pages of individuals that are sitting on these pews here today. Praise God that God has done great things in your life. Amen. Has God ever provided a victory? Has God ever been in the midst of a fiery furnace of a trial in your life? Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Let's step up our game here today. I want you to let the enemy know that, yes, God has been. When I look back over my life, I see where God was there, and he was there, and he was there. It was of God. God's the one that worked it out. God's the one that carried me through difficult circumstances, and everything that I have is of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm going to give him praise. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to have the proper doxology. This is the bread, bedrock of our faith, and it rests right here. When you walk through the scripture and you have a proper doxology, you recognize and understand it's of God. Jesus comes, and he's in the image of? He's in the image of God. Jesus appears, and he's in the likeness of? He's in the likeness of God. We read about the ark of God, the city of God. We talk about the breath of God. We talk about the sacrifice of God that was given for us. We talk about the presence of God that is so valuable to us. John said, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. John said, it's the word of God. The writer of Hebrews said, it's the word that is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's the kingdom of God that we are working in. Our purpose is connected to the kingdom of what? The kingdom of God. It's the goodness of God that you are here today. Brother Kaufman, I shouldn't be here. I really shouldn't be. But God had mercy on me, and the goodness of God has kept me. And I'm here today because of his goodness. It's the love of God that unifies and strengthens us, that reveals to us we are called of God. It's the voice of God that will direct things in our life. It's the name of God. That's a name that's above every name. And I'm thankful I know the name of God. His name is Jesus because neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's the work of God that we are involved in today. It's the house of God that we came today. Hallelujah. And, and worshiped him and praised him. It's the statutes of God that leads me and directs me. The word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path it's of God praise God you can't move anywhere without this understanding because that's proper doxology because of God is the engine is the engine that drives everything why is worship so powerful because of God why, why do you people do what you do it's because God has done great things he's done marvelous things and so when we look around and we see all those things that 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 elicits a response of praise and worship to him because God has miraculously done it. Have you tried? Have you tried? Have you tried? Have you tried getting God in the midst of where you are, in the mix of what you're going through in your prayer? Sometimes we get distracted and we start thinking about other things and we got we to gotta rein things back in and say, God, I want you back in the center of everything. In Acts chapter 2, there was a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost. They were in an upper room. They poured out of an upper room, and there was preaching, and that, that was something that...
of God. God was the origin of that. It was not of Peter. It was not of Peter. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, but it was not of Peter. It was not of James. It was not of John. It was not of Andrew. It was not of Philip. It was not of Thomas. It was not of Bartholomew. It was not of Matthew. It was not James, the son of Alphaeus. It was not Simon Zelotes. It was not Judas, the brother of James. And it was not the disciple that was added because Judas walked away. It was not Matthias either. Those things that happened on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost was poured out was not of any of the disciples doing. They had the ability to be the conduit, but with the power that was coming through them was of God. The Holy Ghost that was poured out was of God. The outpouring of God's Spirit was of God. It was not of them. Amen. And, and there's just so much. The blind man said, they said to him, they, see, they had, they had a doxology. I'm talking about a proper doxology. They had a doxology, the blind man that was healed. Jesus heals a blind man. And they called the man that was healed, and they said unto him, this is interesting, give God praise, because they had a doxology. It just so happened to be not a proper doxology because they missed the object of the praise and the worship and the glory. The object of the praise and the worship and the glory was the man that healed the blind man. And they didn't see it because they had another doxology. They were worshiping something else. And so they brought the man before them and they said, give God praise. We know this man is a sinner. And the man had the, man, the, man had the proper doxology. This is some of the most ironic uh, verses in the Bible. He answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know that whereas I was blind, now I see. So I don't know who you're trying to give glory to, but the one that healed me, he's the one that's deserving of praise. He had the proper doxology. He healed me, not somebody else. When you start at this, you start living off of his resources. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Amen. A proper doxology. Paul said it is of him. And then he said it is through him. Consider difficult times that you've had in your life. A proper doxology is saying, I recognize God is great and greatly to be praised. And I recognize I may be going through a desert. I may be going through the valley. I may be struggling in difficult circumstances. One, one, one person said, uh, I'm walking in tall cotton. I can't see anything but the cotton and the crop that I'm in. I'm going through circumstances in my life. A proper doxology says the only way I'm going to get through it is if God is in the midst of it. Praise God. We could start taking testimonies here tonight of individuals that have gone through great things. As a matter of fact, some of you are here in the house of God, and you've gone through some very, very difficult times. And praise be to God. Let's give God glory for the fact that you are here. Brother Bo Hollingsworth, you, you really had some difficult times. You came out of a, you almost died because you, you waited too long because that's your disposition. And valley fever almost took your life, almost took your life. 
and you faced hospital visits and, and everything, very difficult. And then right when you start to get to a point where you feel like I'm making some strides, then a pandemic hits and you end up back in the hospital. So you've spent, you've spent two years, two years. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is what I'm preaching about here this morning. There is, there is no way you, you can walk through those kinds of experience without God being right in the middle of it. There's times when you've been at the hospital and nobody's been around and you've just been in a hospital bed thinking, am I ever going to get out here? And God has been in the midst of your situation and has provided you the encouragement and the strength that I don't know what's going on here in my body, but God, somehow if you could be a healer in the midst of my situation, that's the proper doxology. I'll give you praise and worship you. And I know the only way I'm getting out of this, if God is walking with me, hallelujah hallelujah come on let's give him thanks this morning have you gone through a difficulty have you been through a trial have you faced adversity the only way out of it is God being in the midst of what you're going through hallelujah come on we need to lift our hands and thank the Lord together right now in this place I love you I praise you I thank you Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Job said, <laughs> you know, the scripture is so powerful. Sometimes I think we're disconnected from it. Our problem is so terrible. And then we read Job. Oh, but that's in the Bible. That's a story. That's disconnected from us. That's not, you know. My problem is so terrible that we forget there's a direct connection to everything that has happened to people in the Scripture and what people go through today. And that's, that's the curse of humanity sometimes is we think our problem is greater than anybody else's problem. Right? That's the guy that complains, complains, complains because something's wrong with his ankle, right? And he's complaining, complaining. He's moaning and groaning. He's whining about it. He's complaining all the time. He's making everybody miserable until he comes across a guy that has no leg. And that guy is cheerful and happy. I'll never forget. I ran something the first year I ran it. It almost, it almost was such a distraction that because I was trying to race the clock and I almost blew it. And it was called, uh, what was it called? Volkslauf. And it was a, it's a, I can't even remember how long it is. Huh? Are you sure? Thank you, Brother Rob. You know the reason why Rob knows that? Is because, <laughs> you got to hear this, this is good. It's because... I was training for it. I was running. I was going to do it. And so I mentioned to Rob about the Volksloth. He said, I'll run it with you. I said, well, now, wait a minute. It's six miles of running, and it's one miles of obstacles. That's quite a bit. you got to prepare for that. Oh, no, I can do it. I said, okay, I'm running eight miles tomorrow, and if you want to join me, you can join me. All right, I'll be at your house. He shows up at my house. We take off. We get a half mile, half mile. We're going eight, half mile. Rob is toast. He is completely toasted. 
So we went around, we went to my house, we got the bicycle, and we put Rob on the bicycle to go the rest of the eight miles with me. But here's what's really cool. This is, this is amazing. This is how God works. The rest of the trip while we're running, I'm telling Rob, you know what you need to do, Rob? You need to put down those cigarettes. That's your problem. You, can't, you don't have any wind and you don't have any breath because you're smoking. You know what? That experience was so traumatic that he never picked up a cigarette after that. Not only was it the traumatic experience, but on that eight miles, it was funny. We've laughed about it ever since. We, we created a connection that we would have never, ever had had we not experienced that. And the connection, along with the experience of being out of gas, triggered something in his life that has produced what we've got here in this local congregation that we're very, very proud of. Amen. Praise God. So I was training for the Volksloft, trying to get ready for the Volksloft. I was running this thing, and, and, and it, it was, it's quite a deal. And I got to a place in the obstacles when we were going over this hill. It's very muddy. It's nasty. They fill stuff up with water, trenches, and it's crazy. You're going over stuff. You're going underneath stuff. You're going through these uh, uh, drainage pipes that are filled with water. So all you can, you know, the only thing that you can get above the water is your head. It's just, it's, 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 it's amazing. And I came on this hill in all this mud, and there was a dude. I found out later who he was. There was a guy that was sitting on the hill, and he was, he was putting his prosthetic leg on. He was an Iraqi veteran. He had lost both of his legs. He had prosthetics right above the knees. And he was running Volkslauf. And when he got to that point, it got stuck in the mud, and it pulled it off. And so he was sitting there putting it back on so that he could finish the race. And I thought, you talk about a moment of inspiration. If I feel like quitting right now, uh, I got an inspiration to say, if that guy can do that and he doesn't have legs, I can finish the race. Sometimes we think our problem is so insurmountable until we look at somebody else that has gone through the fiery furnace, walked through the Red Sea, climbed through the walls of Jericho, why? Because God has worked in their life. And if God can do it for them, then, then God can do it for me. And we need to recognize, instead of complaining, we need to recognize the testimony of faithful people of God that have persevered through trials and circumstances. Paul described his experiences, and he said, I, I was beaten, I was stoned, I was shipwrecked, I've spent the night on the open sea, I've been on the move, I've had dangers from my own countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles in the city, in the country, at sea, false brethren, labored, toiled, often I've gone without sleep, I've hungered and thirst, I've been cold and naked, and beside all of those things, I've got the daily pressure of my concern for the churches. And so Paul said, who's weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness, said Paul. He said, I'm going to glory in that. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. And then he said, for when I am weak, then I am 
strong. The best position you could ever get is when you feel so weak and you hit your knees and you say, God, I can't make it, but I know that in my weakness, you're going to make me strong. That's exactly where God meets you. Amen. In the house of God today, sometimes, sometimes circumstances come along our way and they knock us to our knees. Don't think that that necessarily is a bad thing after you hear all of these things that happened to Paul. He recognized that these things are working on me and molding me and shaping me and they're going to make me stronger. Why? Because God is in the midst of it. That's a proper doxology. An incorrect doxology would just say, I'm going to abandon God, forget God. This, this wasn't of God. I can't believe God did this. God put me in this kind of situation. No, a proper doxology says, I may not see it right now. <laughs> and I may not feel it right now. I'm walking tall cotton. I don't understand any of this. I didn't ask for any of this. I'm just trying to deal with all of this. But I know if I stay true to God and have a proper doxology of giving him praise, God somehow is going to work in the midst of this. And when it's all said and done and everybody turns around and looks backward, they're going to say, you know what? The will of God somehow was in the midst of all of that. And God's power and his ability was there. You got to get God in the middle of your your trial. You got to get God in the middle of your circumstance. It's through him that you're going to survive. It's through him that you're going to be successful. It's through him that we're going to have revival. So a proper doxology is to say, God, I'm going to praise you for your greatness. And it's through you that I'm going to see great things. Amen. Amen. Quickly coming to a conclusion here this morning Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me isn't that amazing how some of these verses that we've talked about are in the lesson today doxology never focuses on us it always focuses on him. Proper doxology. See, you can't give your glory to something else. It never focuses on me. In one particular occasion, Paul and Barnabas are in a city called Lystra, and they heal a man that was crippled. He's never walked. And the, the inhabitants of Lystra had never seen anything like that before, and so they thought that the gods had come down, and they got a bunch of garland, and they were getting ready to do sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas, saying that they're gods of the pantheon. Paul and Barnabas went running in and, and discouraged them from doing that. And then some other people from the neighboring cities that they'd just been in, troublemakers, came to Lystra, stoned Paul, left him for dead. Among the rocks, the pile of, <laughs> the pile of rocks, they left him there for dead. And then all of a sudden, out of the rubble, Paul gets up, I'm sure his body was mangled. And instead of walking away from Lystra, he starts walking back toward Lystra. He goes back to Lystra. He's there for a day, and then he goes to another city, and then he comes back to Lystra, preaching the gospel. How does that happen? It happens because Paul said, my proper doxology is, the only way you get through some things is, it never focuses on us, but it focuses upon him. Amen. That's why he puts this doxology there. Of him, through him, and to him. 
And this is one of the great keys that's linked up. I don't think it's an accident that Paul said of, through, and to. I think it's all linked. Proper doxology has to have all the components that work together. You praise God because he's great. You make it through situations in life because he's great. And then when you come out of those situations, he said it's to him. That means I'm not going to take any, any, anything that would be a credit, anything that would, would build up my personal self. It's not about me because doxology is about God. And so I'm not going to hoard God's blessings. I'm just going to redirect it back to him. It's like a circle. God, you're great. I'm going through a lot of troubles. God blesses me. God, you're great. I know tomorrow I may face some troubles, but I've got the proper perspective. Saul was an individual that was blessed of God greatly. Brother McAllister, if you'd come this morning and help me out. He was blessed greatly of God. Samuel told him, Saul, there's going to be something that comes over you that's a blessing of God. You're going to prophesy. The spirit of God's going to come upon you. You're going to prophesy. You're going to be turned into another man. God's going to change some things. And he's going to be with you. And it was so that when he turns his back from Samuel, God gave him another heart. And the signs that Samuel prophesied about came to pass. The spirit of God came upon Saul. And he prophesied. And those that saw, saw. They were astonished. And they said, what is this, the son of Kish? Is this Saul? Is he now a prophet? And it became a proverb. Is Saul also among the prophets? Saul never knew how to redirect his successes, the things that God blessed him. He never knew how to redirect those back to God. It became part of what he had done and his accomplishments. The godly person will echo David's words. My praise shall be continually of you, and I will praise you yet more and more. I'm going to praise you more and more. I'm thankful to be able to come to the house of God today and praise God, but I'll, I'll be here tonight because I'm going to praise you more and more. And Monday's going to come around, and there's not going to be a church service, but I'm still going to praise you more and more. I'm going to praise you when I get up in the... I'm going to praise you when I get up in the morning. Tuesday's going to roll around, and we'll be here Tuesday night, but Wednesday's going to come. I'm still going to be praising you and worshiping you. I'm going to praise you more and more because you're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. Everything that I have, you've invested in me. You've given to me such great opportunity. I'm not going to let the enemy of my soul and the world or my own carnality lock up my praise and worship. I'm going to let it out. There's no way that I can hold it in. Even when I'm going through trials and tumultuous times, I'm still going to praise you because you're still worthy no matter what I'm facing you're still worthy and you're still able to do above and beyond what I could even think or ask now unto him that is able to keep you from falling God keep me from falling just keep me from falling. How's that going to be possible? Well, it's going to be possible because I'm not going to get bitter. I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to get disappointed. I may have disappointments and frustrations, but I'm not going to lose out with God because there's always a free-flowing praise, doxology. There's always a free-flowing glory to God in the midst of everything, in the midst of everything. When we give it back to him, he draws all people unto himself. John chapter 12 and verse 32 said, And I, this is Jesus, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. 
This said he, signifying what death he should die. The power of Calvary will draw. Who is this Jesus that is worshipped? He's the one that died for you. He inhabits the praises of his people. Who is this that is being praised? <laughs> the one that saved us. What? While we were yet sinners in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Praise God, praise God. God incarnate, he became. This was of God. It was of God. It was God's doing. He became flesh. He endured the cross, despising the shame. Through God, even in the garden, he said, not my will, but thine be done. Through those struggles and circumstances, it was through God they got him. Through Calvary, the cross and resurrection. He was resurrected and established a church, a church that is what? A church that gives all the glory to God. Amen. As we stand together in the house of God today, praise God, praise God. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. When you have the proper doxology, you are more able to understand the words of holiness and separation. God calling you to be holy and God calling you to be separate. It's going to be difficult to understand. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may present what is good or that you may present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, which is your reasonable service. I'm going to have difficult struggle with that if I don't have the proper doxology. But when I get the proper doxology and I understand it's of, through, and to Him, oh, all of a sudden I can see that God is at work. Amen. Praise God, praise God. He's worthy of praise today. He's worthy to be exalted. Worthy to be lifted up. He's worthy to be magnified. Hallelujah. That's one reason to have an altar service, just to praise him. But it's also through him. If you're going through, man, manifold temptations and struggles, there's a God that will carry you through. That's the second reason for an altar service. If you've ever gone through any difficulty, And to him is a reason to stand before him and say, God, you're worthy. Amen. You're worthy. <laughs> As they begin to sing here this morning, I would encourage you to lift up your hands and say, God, I've come to give you duxa. I've come to give you glory. I've come to give you praise. I've come to lift up my worship to you. I may be going through.